Hello, everybody, and welcome to the New Mentality Show, where we dig deep on the subject of men's mental health. I am your host, Positive Energy Phil, and I am excited to create a new mentality with you. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us again for another episode of Five Questions About Men's Mental Health. I'm here with another fellow Phil uh, coming to you all the way from Belfast, Ireland, across the ocean from myself in London, Canada. So cool to be able to connect with people from all angles of the world. So first off, how are you doing, man? Thank you. For I'm doing great. It's great to, uh, to meet you. And uh, finally, uh, we've been exchanging a bit on Instagram and I've been listening to your podcast, really, really getting a lot out of them. And uh, I love the five question format. It's just really straight to, to the, the crux of it, really, for men's mental health. So brilliant. Thanks, man. I really appreciate the kind words. And as I said, I'm really glad to have you here. So let's jump right in. So the first question that I love to ask you is, were there any other influential men in your life that you feel experienced challenges with mental health, whether they were open and talked about it or whether it was something that, you know, maybe they kept themselves? Yeah, well, my my dad wasn't very much of a talker and I didn't really have much of a relationship with my dad. So the, the closest role model I had would have been my mum's brother. Uh, he died recently, unfortunately, he was 76 and he had esophageal cancer. And it sort of hit me really hard because I just realized how much of a role model he had been to me growing up. He lived in England, so I didn't see him all the time, but I uh, would have gone over there and I did a lot, some of my medical training over there and uh, stayed with my second family over there. And uh, it was good and just great memories. And yes, he talked, he wasn't, um, he was a straight talking. He was born in the forties, just after the war. Um, and uh, yeah, that generation, they, they, do, they don't do the touchy feely sort of um, talk about feelings, but they do it in a round, well, he did it in a roundabout way, uh, as in he just kept talking until <laughs> you've covered everything. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you had that kind of, you know, influence around to, to show you the way in terms of how you lead by example. Um, so do you feel like, you know, when you would have these conversations or when he would kind of, you know, uh, be talking about these various experiences, would you get the idea that, you know, there was mental health challenge that he was kind of just being open and vulnerable, vulnerable about in a yeah. roundabout way in those kind of situations? He he would have um he would have been um vulnerable uh with me and just tell he, he was straight talking and just said the difficulties that he had and he hadn't got a great relationship with his own son um and um unfortunately his own son died just the day before September the eleventh nine eleven it happened in two thousand and one um he he died here in Belfast he was out on a night out and he um fell asleep on a wall but there was a big drop the other side and he just rolled over so he was only in his 30s uh, and so when he when my uncle was dealing with that he would be pretty open and vulnerable with me about that and he would talk about the regrets of, that he had not having a, the best of relationship with him um, but that he you know he, he really he, he really was having a hard time uh, dealing with his uh, his passing. 
Thank you for sharing about that. I feel that that is something that is a very powerful perspective that I can relate to as well in regards to, you know, kind of, um, you know, having that ability to be vulnerable and, and express that you are a human who experiences emotions. Because, uh, you know, I, I was having a conversation recently where we were touching on the topic about how, you know, many men look up to their male role models as almost being perfect, as being like a superhero of some sort. And, you know, that how in some ways that lack of vulnerability that often is there between different males of different uh, generations, you know, can lead to this kind of, um, you know, comparison internally down the road as we feel like we need to live up to some sort of standard or be as good as they were, be the superhero that our dads or our other male role models were. So I think it's really cool when, and really a really important thing when men can do something like that and just be, you know, open and genuine and raw about the emotions, both the good ones and the bad ones, and just yeah. you know, to show you how they can process and experience that. And, you know, it's that they're still good enough no matter what in those kind of situations. Talking about the, uh, the, 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 the Superman or, or that sort of uh, my friend, my best friend growing up, um, we knew each other from uh, from we started uh, kids school. So uh, primary school um, and um, his dad was German um, and he had that different way of dealing with things that straightforward no nonsense attitude but got on with things but a sort of european feel that i hadn't seen the men here because they all grew up in the they all were in the troubles belfast and uh there was a different they seemed to be more sullen and down and downtrodden a lot of the time whereas this guy was sort of european berlin you know all that uh so i i really look up to him and uh you know uh, and sort of wished that he was my dad, but then uh, he uh, he did show some vulnerability uh, later on when 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 his uh, relationship broke down, and uh, so it was good to see that this guy that I thought was Superman that could do everything, intellectual, creative, music. You know, I remember he made some mass. This was in the eighties, and no one had very much money here, and they. Uh, he made these big speakers out of stuff that he found in the trash in the dump. Um, and I remember him just playing Dire, dire Straits Money for Nothing through those speakers. And I, I, it nearly blew me out the window. And uh, it was just amazing. And uh, Brothers in Arms as well. And uh, just even hearing those songs just takes me right back to those times. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great tune. I'm a big fan of that Dire Straits song as well. <laughs> I, I feel like it definitely brings to mind the statement, you know, it, it's okay to not be okay, because I know for myself, that's one that I've struggled with at times, and that I've had challenges at times, because on the surface, you know, it makes sense, I understand it's, it's okay to not be okay, but when in, in that midst of feeling not okay, I often, you know, feel that you can feel that struggle and that desire to get back to being okay, yeah. and not being okay, you know, it's painful, it, it can be tough. It kind of feels like it sucks at the moment. And I feel like, you know, having, if, if I had had that kind of modeling when I was young, seeing other males in my life having a day where they weren't okay and they were open about it 
they did what they had to do, whether it was self-care or, you know, whatever helped them work through that situation. And then seeing the next day they were better, they were, you know, having a great day again. And if I had, you know, I feel like if I'd been able to see that formula played out, it would have really helped me as an adult to also kind of trust in that and just kind of roll with that experience. So I think that's- Yeah, so I mean, they, those guys were, uh, you know, infrequently that, that I had a relationship with them. So most of my uh, experience was with a, a father that didn't really talk um, and was occasionally violent. Um, and uh, yeah, it, so so I, I sort of um, didn't really get as much as I would have liked, you know? <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to your relationship with your, your male role models, whether it was the, uh, the, the individual you're mentioning or even your father being you know, of a different personality, you know, how did the, the, these kind of male role models have an impact on your mental health, you know, both as a, as a young boy or as an adult as you kind of grew up to where you are now? Well, with, with my, my father, um, uh, because we didn't really engage at all apart from in negative ways um i did i did find it difficult to process emotions uh in my teens and i got but i got a lot of a lot of the, the skills then from the females in my life but then that sort of left a little bit of a, a gap uh so i did feel a bit vulnerable in my 20s i went uh, i just uh to get out of that sort of headspace i studied really hard i i got into medical school, uh, just put my head down, did that. But, uh, you know, I didn't, there was guys around me in medical school that were enjoying the experience while work. I, I was always serious and just wanting, oh, this, I need to, this to end so that I can be a doctor, so that I can then be an adult. So I was never settled and I felt like an imposter all the time. Um, uh, so it, it was only just those brief uh, interactions with, um, with, uh, healthy sort of interactions that um that i had that sort of made me realize yes there are other types of men out there uh but uh, i didn't i didn't quite get it right you know when i was growing up you know myself uh, and then just led to uh, a depression then that uh, came on me uh, working as a doctor i was approaching the age of 40 i'd been working as a doctor for 20 almost 20 years um and then i just i just didn't have the tools i don't think uh, or I, you know, I didn't just react to things properly, um, and uh, yeah, uh, we did. We didn't talk about things in medical school at all. Your feelings or any, uh, it was all bravado. So um, and drinking. So so uh, it wasn't good. Uh, but uh, uh, I sort of went away from my other support network, like my friend that went and did engineering, and I probably should have kept really alongside him to stay away from the, the to not socialize in the medical circle because i really needed different types of people but um but i just didn't realize that at the time but uh we're we're, we're an awful lot closer now i need all these different types of people in my life thank you for sharing that man yeah something that really kind of jumped out at me as i was listening to you relate that experience was how you know you mentioned that when you were going through school and maybe even at some points when in the work field, you know, that there was kind of this mentality of like, no, to the grindstone, I need to do this. This is just kind of what I need to do to get by. You know, this will get me to the next step, which will get me to the next step, which will eventually make me happy. 
And I'm curious, it, was that a mentality that you ever saw, you know, in your father as well, or the other male role models where they were kind of maybe doing something similar, you know, and putting their time into their work or their learning uh, as a way to cover up other aspects of, you know, things that maybe were, were going on in their life? Well, my, my dad was, um, my mom was the, the main worker in the family. My dad didn't have a, a profession. Uh, he, he, he loved poetry. And yes, I, I, one of the good things that I do take away from growing up with him was that I, I learned to read from sort of quite complex poetry, which um, because the books at, in, in lower school, they were just Janet and John went to the park, you know, that's, that, that didn't do it for me. So uh, the poems were, were probably the, the, the thing that I took away. But I think he would love to have been a poet or an artist, uh, but he was just had that sort of resentment that he wasn't. Uh, so he didn't really take up normal jobs. He worked in the, De the failed DeLorean experiment for a while uh, in Belfast. Um, and the, the coolest job he had was in the museum as a night person so I, I got to be in the museum at night time but um yeah so uh it didn't it, I didn't see that I just want I, I I sort of had a false belief of how um easy it would be uh, and not realizing that yes there's always a next step there's always something else I I just saw getting to medical school getting to be a doctor and then I'm fine uh, but that's really just the beginning you have to then do specialty training it's ultra competitive you know it never stops and that really drained me and and, and led to uh, sort of a depression at that stage and i understand that did you feel like in that situation i guess that that idea you know that mentality of i'm going to be fine did that end up coming through you know the the work aspect or did you eventually have you know have to venture into a different mental aspect of life to you know, kind of uh, create that aspect of find whether it was like dealing with the mental health, you know, thing or any other kind of thing outside of the the work, you know, aspect. It only, I only got, I really only, it's really only clicked with me, you know, over the last few years, you know, and I'm 47 now. So, uh, but over the last few years, I'm glad that I went through that prolonged period of depression. I know it's unusual to say that, but it sort of has made me deal with things right from the ground up again. Uh, and I, I, uh, we uh, talking now is part and parcel of my week. I mean, I'm a member of three different peer support groups. One of which is a men's group on uh, on a Monday evening, six thirty. It was just the, uh, it's a, it's a, it's evening time here, and at six thirty every Monday um, is the Humane Space. It's called. Um, it's around of London, but uh, there's guys from all. There's guys from Canada come on. There's guys from South Africa. Guys from US. And just being in that group with all these men from all over the world to just, you know, chat and say how their week's been and don't, and it feels like a safe space for, for them. Uh, so that's great. And I, I, I do two other support groups. One is a depression and anxiety support group over Zoom, and the other is a doctor support group. But I've only really uh, uh, integrated those into my life and my schedule in, in the last uh, few years, really. Uh, and got myself where I'm, I've got healthy coping mechanisms. I talk to people about things. Uh, I don't bottle things up. Uh, I don't isolate myself. Uh, and I do all the other things that I need uh, to keep myself. But I realize that it's a, it's a daily, it's a daily uh, maintenance that I need to do to keep myself uh, mentally healthy. 
and it, it I got knocked out of work for six years and I've only recently gone back so um and part of that was that feeling of stigma and shame uh and I really shouldn't have a mental health issue if I'm a doctor that means I can't be a good doctor uh but, you know, when I actually got in there to the doctor support groups, there's so many other people going through exactly the same thing. And I just didn't engage at the time. Uh, but I realized now. So my passion now is to uh, promote these uh, groups for everyone else, uh, get doctors in to the different support groups for doctors and the men's one as well. Thank you for sharing that. I, I really love that you are a number of different support groups. I feel like that's something that I see a lot of value in as well and something I would love to be part of and even have some aspirations of starting some men's uh, mental health support groups of my own. And I think that it's definitely another thing I can really relate to of what you're saying is not only the fact that, you know, we can kind of look back at those tough times and now see some gratitude for them, for the fact that they helped us to kind of create the the day-to-day -day lifestyle that we have now, those different self-care routines, different things that we knew. You know, it was only through walking through the fire that we were able to kind of come up with those in some manner, yeah. I find. And I always, so that, I feel, feel for me that definitely changed my perception as well from 12 years of wasted time toward, to 12 years of learning and becoming you know, who I was meant to be. But the thing I also really can relate to is that idea of sometimes feeling like you're in a position where you don't feel like maybe you can be vulnerable because your stature or position makes it feel like it's a challenge. Like, you know, you're in a medical field uh, helping people and you need someone to help you just as you would help them. You're looking for the fill of, you know, your version yeah. of yourself. Like I, I, I can help people, but where is me that helps me? And yeah. I think that's a mentality I can really relate to from different points of my journey. And I, and I really glad, I'm glad to hear that there is those kind of communities where that kind of thing is encouraged to be open and be vulnerable, even in those situations where maybe you're worried about the judgment of doing so because like feeling like, hey, does it make someone think I'm not as good at what I do because I have these moments of weakness? Because I think at the end of the day, all humans, we all have this kind of experience from time to time. So I, I think that vulnerability in all spaces, in all areas of the of work is such a still, great thing to have. It's still difficult. The medical profession is still culture stuck back a while and it's highly competitive. And it, it's sort of, you know, if someone falls, they obviously, you know, there's still that mentality that if someone falls, then they weren't obviously cut out for that we're realizing that that's not the case that just because it would always be the same types of personalities that that, yeah. that sort of fall out and it's probably the people that are more have more empathy uh, get more uh, you know in there with the patients and aren't aloof or um or disengaged from the from the emotion um yeah. But it's teaching those doctors with those personalities to have the coping mechanisms and boundaries so that they can protect themselves and but still give that empathy. Uh, so we don't want to lose those people from the medical profession. Uh, we are natural perfectionists. 
uh, as doctors and everything has to be perfect, fine attention to detail and science, but we sometimes lose the, the human aspect of it there as well. Um, we still have difficulty talking in the workplace about mental health. Uh, so these groups have really only come, uh, I've only, uh, only cropped up from 2018, um, but we are moving forward, hopefully to change the culture a little bit within the medical profession. That is sometimes the best thing we can really, you know, see, do is just keep moving forward, keep taking one step at a time and doing what we can in this now, in this moment to, you know, progress towards where we'd like to be. So something I'd really love to ask you is, you know, with these various experiences and different challenges that you've had with mental health throughout your life, do you feel like there were any experiences that were specific to you being a man? Uh, yes. Um, again, um, it was that feeling that that I had to be in control in when I was growing up in the house. I was the eldest uh, of five children, uh, so I felt that I had to be some form of strength within the family and not show that I was having a difficult time and be there to support the younger ones. Uh, from I was you know I was a child carer at times for the younger ones when I was 10 11 looking at that's probably why I went into pediatrics is is that um from when I was 9 10 11 I was looking after newborn babies um and was comfortable with that so it's probably the reason I did go into pediatrics in the end uh, because a lot of my friends you know pick up a baby oh what is this I can't you know take this away from me I don't know how to hold it I don't know how to I don't know what it's doing now so uh, but I was comfortable with all that um so that's probably why I, I, I gravitated towards the pediatric end of it. But yeah, being a man, I, I felt that I had to be the man of the household and not um, show vulnerability. I didn't when I was teen uh, um, and in my uh, early 20s, I didn't in the, uh, in the household. And then when I, in, in, in medical school, the men tended to be more bravado, more drink, and you didn't want to just go away from that. I remember one day, that there was it was like the first day of medical school and um all these guys at the back sitting rolling up, up paper uh throwing it messing around and i just turned around and said you're you're supposed to be trained to be a doctor just stop, stop doing that but then i got the uh reputation of being mr angry or mr sensible <laughs> all the time you know so uh it was difficult to uh uh to get rid of that I, I don't i don't agree with me i don't agree with them throwing but i also don't agree with me being so uptight about it and feeling that uh it all has to be serious <laughs> so that's uh, uh and then the being a man um in medicine we, we're we're probably outnumbered now certainly in the uk i think there's 60 percent female doctors um uh to 40 percent men but that's long overdue long overdue because it was male dominated for a lot of years but i don't think we've got the skills to cope with that and also most of the nursing profession are are, are female as well and um they uh they have a different system and most of them are in a lot of them when they progress they go into middle management doctors tend to not go into middle management they tend to either be the clinical director or you know there's maybe one or two doctors in management but the rest is all nurses so it's it's, it's dealing with the and we, we really hadn't got the skills to be able to deal um to deal with that uh so we pretended or put a face on that we were in control all the time 
And so that's yeah. Oh, thanks. Sorry for interrupting, but no, I'm okay. Thank you for sharing about that experience. I feel like it's definitely something that I, I definitely can see from my perspective as well as being a big part of the, the evolution of men moving forward is not only growing within each, you know, within our own community and supporting each other, but as well growing in our communication with our female counterparts and, and everyone in between and, you know, being able to work together as a team rather than just, you know, these male specific issues being discussed by males only and, and vice versa, you know, female specific issues being discussed on both sides of the fence. And I feel like with that teamwork approach with increased and improved communication, it definitely will uh, help us move forward. But I, I see that a lot in the, over here in Canada as well. I feel like it is kind of even something that becomes a, a bit of a, a humorous thing, you know, joked amongst, uh, joked about amongst men, you know, from time to time about how they don't understand women. Yeah. Not sure how to communicate. You know, it kind of, we kind of make these jokes to take away from the uncomfortability yeah. that it is to address and actually you know, but it's really that we don't have, we're not prepared to, we're not having yeah. the right skills, we're not engaging, we're not talking about the things that we should be talking about or or being open, which you find that when you are and you do engage that the, your female colleagues are really, really supportive, really stand there by, would, would help you in lots of different situations, but you have to just let your barriers down. Yeah, I think what you had mentioned earlier is really impactful in that in the 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 aspect of judgment from other males that quite often is within kind of the societal perspective of how we are with emotions or you know like when you know when you related the story about being in class and asking the other students to pay attention and the various thoughts and emotions that went with that I feel like that's a thing something that a lot of men deal with and think about on a day-to-day -day basis is how do I appear to the collective around me? Am I going to get judged? Am I going to get looked down on? And, you know, I feel like this leads to a lot of lack of communication between men on these sort of topics. And then as we see it, it kind of bleeds into us not knowing how to communicate with females either, because really we don't even know how to communicate with our own selves. Yeah. And, and it's all superficial. It's all you go out with a group of guys. It's yeah, yeah. What is you know, what'd you do this week? And you know, it's all bravado and it's all and we don't get into the deeper topics. Or uh, if you if the if a male friend was to say to you, Oh, how are you doing? And you just go, Yeah, I'm great. But if you were to say, Oh no, I'm this week I'm not doing too too well, um, it's it, initially it, it, it's difficult for men and, and they don't know how to deal with that. I think we're getting better. Um, and yeah, we're promoting yeah, that, yeah. that we should talk about those things. And I am seeing it better. It's better with the, the younger generation guys in their 20s. Uh, they're an awful lot more articulate about uh, things like this and more prepared to talk about mental health and their feelings, which is great. So we are moving forward. And I'm really, really hopeful for the future of that. I absolutely agree. I, I feel just the fact that we're having this conversation is a good proof of that. You know, some of some people of our generation uh, or even the generation before ours, a lot of our healing is reactive in nature. And like you said, the beautiful thing about that is it's starting to evolve into a, a manner where the generation that is growing up right now has the opportunity to learn from our reactive healing and become more proactive with theirs. And 
that feels like such a beautiful step that we can take. So I, I'm really encouraged to see that as well. Yeah. So I would love to ask you, you know, when was the last time in your life that you did not feel man enough? And, and if you'd love to explain, you know, why was that? Probably during the period that, that I was unwell and not working, um, I felt obviously this is the way men do feel. I felt emasculated. My wife was now the, the working and I wasn't. Uh, she was having to earn the money and support the family. And I felt so, I didn't have a purpose or a role any longer because my identity was so caught up with being a doctor uh, that I didn't really have a proper identity as a husband, a father. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, so I just thought I had no purpose or role. And again, that just added to the whole isolating myself and feeling sorry for myself and going down, uh, going downhill and feeling that there was no way out of it. But then I slowly I started to um, feel it. Yeah, just by cooking dinner for my wife coming in is a purpose. You know, I started to get joy in that and, and not feeling that it was something that I shouldn't be doing. I started to love the cooking. It was mindful for me then just to chop up things up. And I, it took me out of my own head and overthinking and ruminating about things. So I started to do bits and pieces that just made me feel a sense of purpose again for the family. And then that was that was great. Um, I also then, you know, was able to engage and chat with my uh, teenage daughter an awful lot more. And she has said since that it was good to see her father vulnerable because she would now come to me with them. Um, with issues and not feel, I mean, she said some of her friends' dads might be slightly aloof as though they're all perfect and, you know, they don't engage with the, the, the daughters very well. Um, and she said, yeah, I could come to you with, with any issue and, uh, and uh, because I've seen you vulnerable and I know uh, that, uh, that that's, uh, you know, that we are all human, we're all vulnerable, we all make mistakes, but people will still support us. That's beautiful, man. I, I, I can admit I'm getting a little emotional over here. Listen, I'm, I'm thinking about situations with my kids as well and having these kind of conversations. And I think the word that really is jumping into my mind right now is intent. And I feel like that is something that, you know, is a, bit, a big part of, you know, enjoying preparing the meal, finding that passion in all these different activities. I feel like it's all about the intent that we're putting in that now, in that moment. And if our intent is to create joy, to create love, I guess really to create love in the way that we know how to, it's going to be different for all of us. It might be making that meal. It might be cleaning the home. It might be, you know, welcoming them, welcoming them home with a big hug and a kiss. You know, there's a variety of different things depending on how we share love, how we know our partners and family members receive love. And I feel like, it's so powerful when we can put that intent in as many moments as we can, as many nows as we can. And you don't, you don't want to do it initially. You, you feel this is not, I, I should be the breadwinner. I should be the, the guy going out to work. I should be, yeah. I should be in charge. I should be the head of the household. And I was quite a modern sort of person, but, uh, and I still did feel that uh, emasculation. Um, uh, but once I, you know, found joy in the other roles and didn't feel that they were in any way diminishing me um 
but that, that I was having a purpose, then I was able to build myself back up again, you know, and it was the only way out of it, these small steps and taking the joy in the smaller things and contributing to smaller things that, that build up in, within the, the, the household. Uh, and it was the only way that I sort of moved forward from that, just overthinking about everything and, uh, and criticizing, judging myself for, for, for getting unwell and things like that, which uh, it just prolonged my, uh, my period of being unwell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when, when things are out of our control, it's, it, that's where, you know, I'm not sure if this is something that is men specific, but I feel like a lot of men I know, myself included, it definitely seems to be a primary uh, pusher on the, the buttons, uh, you know, so when we lose control of our situation and our experience and we and maybe feel helpless in that moment, I feel like that's where the downhill slide can often happen for guys like ourselves. And, and then when we start, to, and then it's when we start to realize we have that power to, you know, go, get, kind of go back up the hill again you know, I feel like it, it becomes such a powerful moment where we realize the passion and beauty in those little, all those little moments. And I think alongside that, realizing our ability to create that in, in any kind of moment, if we desire to. And I think that's, for me, almost the coolest part is realizing that we had that ability to create love at all moments, you know, and it only seems it's like, only going to come from within you. It's only going to be intrinsic. Yeah. There's no nothing external to yourself that's going to yeah. ma- help you move you forward. It has to come from within, and but it takes those. Get rid of the judgment and start making those small, small steps, and not comparing yourself to someone. I often did say to myself, "Well, that that uh, person I know uh, had a period of depression. Look what he's doing now." But not not acknowledging all the steps that that person had to take to get to where they were i just saw saw them now being fantastic and just said i'll never be there so it, it allowed me then to opt out and just do the homer simpson defense where if i don't try if i don't start i won't fail mm-hmm. yes i can definitely relate to that yeah i feel like it, for me sports is kind of the, the thing that comes to mind or you know like i you know that's always been the visual that i had grown up with like oh if you're not as good as the professional, you know, it, it, I can see how it, that desire for perfection and the imposter syndrome that kind of can come along with it definitely becomes a challenge for many. And so I'm, I'm really glad that we're able to have these kind of, you know, conversations where we can be vulnerable about them and start to grow past those challenges. And I feel like this would be a good time to ask you the final question, which is, you know, how do you feel men can better support each other when it comes to these kinds of situations, when it comes to things like maintaining healthy mindsets, helping each other grow, each other grow as individuals or even as a collective, you know, like what do you feel from your perspective is a, a good next step for men when it comes to being in each other's corner on that journey? Just have the conversations. Um, don't be afraid of the conversations. You don't have to sort out your 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 uh, acquaintance, your your friend's life you don't have to sort out all their problems you may just have to sit there and just say I'm here for you um I will be here for you and I'll go through this and I'll help you uh you don't have to give them all the solutions because they really have to find those themselves uh so once you realize that that's all you have to do you don't have to sort out their life you just have to say look I'm here for you 
and I will be here for you, um, and we'll get through this. And that's you know to to, to for men to realise that it 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 is simple like that, and you're not going to make the situation worse. Um, you're actually going to make it better because we tend to run away from people with um because we were afraid that we're not going to do the right thing, say the right thing, we're going to make the situation worse. And we sort of hope someone else will sort them out. But you, you do need your, your peers, your, you know, the people that you admire and you know best uh, to be there in your corner. And it's just a matter of saying that. And uh, it's just those simple things, I think. So uh, keeping the conversation going and not being afraid uh, of addressing these topics. I absolutely love it, man. I feel that is definitely a way for us to continue growing as a collective, as individuals, and ultimately creating a beautiful, loving world in which we all can thrive. So thank you so much for joining me today. And no worries, it's a pleasure. Yes, <laughs> I, I had a great time with our conversation today, and I hope everyone listening along enjoyed it as well. And we will talk to you again soon. This pause in the episode is to take a moment to remind you that you are loved. You are good enough. No matter what, I see you. I honor you. I send you my love, brothers. Now back to the episode. Thank you all for joining me today on our show, A New Mentality. I hope you all enjoyed what you heard. And if you did, I would really love if you were to share this with your friends, post this to your Instagram stories. And if you have a moment to jump on, you know, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, I'd be ever grateful if you were to pop on there and give the show a rating. This allows more people to find us and for this message to spread farther and farther around the globe. Lots of love. Have a wonderful day. Keep sharing the love you have any way you know how. Positive Energy Phil, signing out for now.